Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. Man, wasn't it good to be able to worship this morning? Can we give a hand to our worship team? Let us into the presence of God this morning. I so appreciate them. Uh, They're so wonderful. Man, they lead from an authentic heart. Kind of what you see up on the stage is what you get with them. And so we're so thankful for them. Man, I'm excited to be with you this morning to share the Word of God. If you're ready to receive the Word of God this morning, that's what a message is. Say yes. Yeah, you can't just say yes. Yes. You got to get your preacher voice on, right? Uh, Man, so glad to be with you. And what we're actually going to do is I'm going to start off a little different this morning. It's going to be a little weird. So bear with me. We're going to talk about a couple of things you don't normally talk about in church. I hope that's okay. It reminds me of the first time uh, when I started dating this this girl who ended up becoming my wife. And I don't remember if it was prom or something like that. And she said, hey, you got to meet, uh, you know, my grandparents. You got to meet my grandma. I said, okay, I want to meet your grandma. And so I go over to grandma's house, and uh, we're hanging out, and me and her, we're vibing, getting along, you know, because if you want to impress the girl, you got to impress the grandma, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. And so we said, someone just gave an amen. That's right. You know what it's at. It's in the Bible. Check it out. But anyways, we're talking on the couch, and it's somehow the conversation ships to UFOs. And crop circles. And all these sorts of things. And I'm just like, man, this is the coolest person in the world right now. And she is absolutely my girlfriend at the time. I don't even know if you were my girlfriend yet. But uh, absolutely mortified, thinking it was over. And I'm going to bring come back to that story here in just a moment. Because one of the truths is, one of the things that we look for as pastors, is we look at our culture. And I'm sure you do the same thing because culture through art, through artistic form, often reflects questions that people's souls are asking. You might say, what do you mean, David? All right, so here's my goal. My goal is to answer some questions that maybe your souls are asking because I think sometimes the church in general, not this church, but the church in general answers questions that people aren't asking. And instead, we want to focus in on what your heart is saying and what your soul is saying. Let me explain what I mean here. I don't know if you remember the 2008-2009 economic downturn. How many of you remember that? When the, the economy kind of uh, went kaput for a little while and there was all sorts of foreclosed houses everywhere. Some people got a sweet deal on a house because of it and some people lost everything. Some people uh, started new careers and some people uh, lost their jobs. There was all this sort of uncertainty and so culturally, oh, you guys got it up on the screen already, uh, this this thing, this topic of zombies came up. You're talking about zombies in church. Don't judge me, all right? We'll be all right. But culturally, this, this topic of zombies came up, and we, and we saw this in the different movie shows, different things like that. Walking Dead came out, World War Z, I Am Legend, uh, Zombieland, Call of Duty. Any Call of Duty people up in here? Yeah, we got some. I know. I feel you. We had different things like uh, we had a youth event here called Humans versus Zombies. It was like kind of this Nerf war thing. And I remember the last time we did it, we had 500 students show up for an all-nighter in this building. <laughs> Never again, okay? Never again. 
Well, actually, Pastor Bailey can do what she wants since I'm not the youth pastor anymore, but for me, never again. I remember my leaders looking at me. They were so tired at the end of the night, and all we did was play crowd control with these guys, and they were just like, please don't make us do this anymore. But here's the thing. I read an article shortly thereafter about uh, these zombies and the expression, the cultural artistic expression of zombies. It's because people who had lost everything, things had changed, their foundation had shifted, and they, had to, they were feeling like a zombie, feeling like they were moving throughout the world without purpose, and they were watching these shows trying to figure out if their life was like the zombies, the zombie hordes that were just moving around, or if their life was like those courageous humans, you know, the ones that resist the zombies and win, right? I know some of us have some cool goals, and I I hope you have a zombie plan at your home. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, all right? But then I started looking as the pandemic started to happen, I started wondering, okay, what is gonna be the cultural expression here? And what is it gonna show us about what people's questions are that they're asking? Guys, go ahead and throw up the next slide. Because I've started reading articles all over the place about aliens. Have you seen this? Right? There's all these topics about aliens, and, and I've read these, these weird articles quoting these uh, different people in the CIA and scientists and all this other stuff, and, and, and there's some that I've read that said there's alien bases under the Arctic ice caps right now. Or the, the most recent one that I read said that there's some alien race out there that has the cure to COVID, but the U.S. government is not letting them give it to us. This is ridiculous stuff, but I can't help but read this stuff. Or we kind of shift our focus towards people like Elon Musk, our our very own Tony Stark, if you will, who's focused on taking us to Mars, the, the frontier beyond this planet, to preserve the human race. And I can't help but soak that stuff up too. And I was wondering, like, why is this stuff so attractive to us? And I think there's been some other cultural expressions recently. And, you know, this is by no means, like, based on a ton of research. is based off of my whims and what I've read. I think why it resonates with us so much is that we're asking questions right now. What has happened in our world has caused us to ask some questions. Because I, I think if we're honest, a lot of us, we'd be willing to say, you know what, I feel like I'm floating right now. The things that were constant aren't constant anymore. And people are wondering if there's somewhere they can turn for help. They're wondering if the universe is bigger than they thought. They're wondering there has to be more. Can I survive on my own? Where is God in all of this? What does life after this life look like? What's the secret to thriving? What am I missing? So my goal today is to answer and look at a few of these questions based off of what Jesus tells us. Not what some article on the news tells us. Because we believe that's where we can find our hope. You believe that? That's where we find our hope. And this is who we talk about. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter 13, verses one through 43. And before you stress out, I'm not gonna stand up here and read 43 verses to you. But I am going to start with some really cool things that Jesus said. Matthew 13, out of the NIV is what I'm reading. It's going to be up on the screen. Open up your Bibles or your tablets, devices, whatever. 
verses 34 through 35. It says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowds in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. You see, Jesus is getting ready to reveal some secrets about himself that people for ages, for generations had looked for. People have been asking questions and he says, hey, check this out. And through this story, I'm going to reveal a secret about myself. Let's go over to verse 16. It says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not listen. Jesus liked to speak in parables to people. And he was revealing secrets to people that had been hidden for thousands of years. And I believe that as Jesus spoke to them back then, Jesus can speak to us now. Do you believe that? That the same Jesus that revealed things about himself to those people that were on the side of the sea as he was teaching to them, that maybe God has something for us for our specific situation right now. But comes the command of Jesus to see and to hear, to watch and to listen. Let's begin our time together this morning in prayer. Would you? Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for your word. We trust it. We trust you. Father, for my friends here that are asking questions, my friends that are watching that are asking questions, my friends that are going to be watching later that are asking questions. God, that you would reveal who you are through these stories and that these would become more than stories, God. They would be transformative to our hearts. God, give us ears to hear what you're saying eyes to see it, and remove the barriers that would keep us from that, the distractions. Keep them away, God. We ask this in your name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Jesus loved to communicate in stories, loved to communicate in parables. In other words, he met people right where they were. In fact, in this story, Jesus is on a boat uh, on the sea, and he's surrounded by a bunch of simple people, probably people like us. Would you agree with that? And he starts to explain the kingdom of God, but he uses these stories or these parables, and he spoke in such a way that he spoke to agricultural people, people that would understand maybe uh, what Jesus was talking about. And I love parables, but the reality is I I sat down this week with some of our staff, and I said, guys, here's what I'm thinking. And I started rolling through the parables, and I'm like, we could talk about this perspective, we could talk about this perspective, we could talk about this thing or that thing. The reality is... Jesus was such a fantastic storyteller that I don't think up here we could cover every perspective. In fact, one of the best things, I think a win, I was describing this to someone this week, a win out of today's message would be that you would go home today and that you would wrestle through these parables yourself. That you would question me. And you'd say, was this guy, what he's actually saying, true? And that you would say, God, help me to see what you have for me to see in these stories. I want you to do that if you don't mind doing it. Check it out at home. Check these parables out. Matthew chapter 13. 
Uh, verses 3 through 8 is where we're going to start out here because it's the parable of the sower. And, and I have to tell you that I started prepping this message this week, or actually the week before, and I'm like vibing, and I'm like, man, this, this passage is awesome, and I got these really cool ideas, and I'm starting to write them down. I'm like, man, this is original. And I started telling my wife, and she said, David, you already preached that. And I looked at my notes, sure enough, I preached on this passage two years ago. And so what I'm gonna try to do today is try to give you a, a fresh perspective. In fact, uh, I remember a couple years ago, I was uh, down in Belize, and we were doing a mission, mission work down in Belize, and one of the things that's uncommon there, and it might freak you out if this happened here, is that when you travel and you go into these churches, it's not uncommon for the pastor to put you on the spot and to say, hey, you, pastor, come up here. Do you have a word for us? Preach to us right now. Imagine if we did that, right? We just walked out randomly to the middle of the aisle and say, hey, do you got a word for us? Come preach. A lot more people would be online, wouldn't they? <laughs> and I remember the missionary came up to me and he said, hey, just a heads up. Ray knew, I don't know if you're watching right now. Thanks for saying what you said. He said, just a heads up, they're going to ask you to preach. And I said, awesome, no problem. I got an old sermon I can preach. And he looks at me, he said, hmm? He said, you don't have any fresh bread for these people? You're bringing your leftovers to church? I was like, <laughs> Anyways. I got some fresh bread for you this morning, if that's okay. <laughs> the old message I preached a couple years ago, you can find it online if you want to. It'll be in the sermon notes. Parable of the sower. Matthew 13. He told them many things in parables. This is Jesus. See, and a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Everyone say root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Jesus' disciples, they heard this parable. And they're probably like a lot of us. If Jesus was saying this, you know, we're like, yeah, man, Jesus, that's good. Preach, Jesus. And then later on, they go in private and say, Jesus, what do you mean by that? What were you trying to say to us? And this is exactly what they did. And Jesus lays out what the passage means. He, he goes on to tell him, he says, the sower is me, it's Jesus. The seed is the message of God's kingdom, the gospel, the good news. The soil is the hearts of people. It talks about four types of soil, the hard path, the shallow rocky soil, the soil with thorns, the good soil. In fact, this last fall, I tried to plant some grass seed. And uh, I have three kids and two dogs. You ever try to do that before you laugh at me? Because I had these bare spots where my dogs had run paths in the yard and where my children when I'm not watching, dig up my yard. When I'm not watching. 
And I went out, man, sometimes I added soil and I'm, I'm throwing seed, right? And then it didn't take long for some of the seed to get on the, the hard path the dogs ran and the birds would come and eat it and take it away and the rain washed it away. And I had this one spot I was really trying to get growing and I surrounded it with a fence to keep my kids and dog out. Not being a cool dad, I want my yard to look good. Man, I look out there, the fence is moved and surrounded by it or 15,000 Tonka trucks and a pile of new dirt. <laughs> Dug up all the work I had put into my grass. And then the weirdest thing is, there, and then there's this other spot where my dog dug up, and then there was one spot that I didn't even think would grow, and it just started to multiply. I think it's what Jesus is talking about as it relates to our soul. What does it look like for us in this story? Who are we in this story? And one of the areas that I, that I want to focus on right now is this question of what do I do when I feel out of control? When I don't feel anchored, when I don't feel rooted, when I don't, don't feel connected to something. Because if we're being honest, a lot of us, our world's been shaking. We feel like we're floating. We're moved around at the whims of the world, the whims of our government, the whims of our, our, our jobs, our local businesses. We're moved around at the whims of our local Starbucks when I roll up there needing my morning coffee and I see the sign that says it's closed. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I joke with you, but the reality is real that a lot of us, our world has been shaken up. And the one part in this story that I feel most connected with right now causes me to ask the question, where are you rooted? Where am I rooted? Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. I think the reality is for some of us is that we place our roots into things that fail us, don't we? Into our job, into our relationships, into our routine, into our financial security, into our plans for the future. But what happens when that stuff is taken away? When it's all taken away? You see, I've been reading through the Bible in one year. We're doing that as a church. I'd invite you to join us if you haven't started yet. It's not too late. I'm a couple days behind, but that's okay. And I was doing great until I got to the book of Job. If you're familiar with the book of Job, man, it's got an incredible story. In fact, uh, most studies would tell us it was probably one of the first books of the Bible written. It's about this guy. His name is Job, and he has everything, and he has wealth and riches and a beautiful wife and great kids and all this other stuff. And, and the enemy, the devil, the adversary goes to the throne of God, and he says to God, Job only serves you because of the blessings he has. And God says, that's not true. The devil said, well, let's test it. So Job loses his home, his family, his kids, all of his possessions. He gets sick, and he's sitting in, in dirt, covered in boils, and he's complaining and whining to God like we all would. In fact, his own wife 
looks at Job and says, why don't you just curse God and die? But Job's roots aren't in those things. Job knows that he's going through a season. Job knows he can trust the faithfulness of God. And God encounters Job in a powerful way. And God restores Job. And the Bible tells us he gives him double of the blessing that he had before, before he had lost it. Here's the thing. How we live our life is determined by what we're rooted to. And I think one area in this parable that's really easy to live according to is Matthew chapter 13, verse 20. It says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. Yeah, right? Like we go to church, we see that Instagram post, that short inspirational TikTok video, and we receive it with joy and we say, man, that's good. I like that. That made me cry a little. It moved my heart. But how many know how easy it is to be moved by something and then real life happens? You walk out of this room and you go pick your kids up from children's church. And it's chaos again. Or you walk out of this place into a Monday with your boss. Or on the drive home, you have an argument with your spouse, your significant other. And pretty soon that joy that you had in the moment is gone. It says, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. That scares me. I hope that scares you. I hope that when we come to church and we receive the word of God, it isn't just to get like a little pick-me-up, a little boost into a terrible week. But really our hope is that you get to a place that you're rooted deep into Christ. So you can survive the situations that you're going through. You see, this is one of the reasons when we have children, when newborns are born. One of the first things they do is they take the newborn and they place it in the arms of the mother or the father. And then very shortly thereafter, they start to feed the child. You see, there has to be this immediate connection, this rootedness that has to happen, this growth. Now, that's not a picture of my child. I found that most newborns look like aliens. If you have a beautiful baby, good for you. <laughs> Hope my kids aren't watching. I love you guys. You're beautiful now. But we take the newborn and we put it in the hands of the mother. Why? Because there needs to be that immediate connection between the mother and the child between the father and the child. They need to eat right away. And with the baby, man, we get up every two hours, I think. I can't remember. I just remember it was all a blur. 
every two hours and we're feeding this baby, baby, eat, 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 eat. You know, we got we to make sure that they grow and that they are established so that they can thrive in life. And the same goes with our soul. That when your heart is moved, it is so important and urgent right away that you put those roots down. You, we talked about a little bit earlier this thing we have called forward. Everyone say forward. We've been talking about forward for a couple months. And forward is the opportunity we have as a church to say, if you're a newborn, if you're new here, you're new to Jesus, you're struggling, come to forward and we're going to help you put your roots down really quickly. It happens for three weeks, right? Because I think it takes more than a week to develop roots. And we talk about things like our values here that are based on Scripture. You see them out in the lobby. If you're watching online, you see them on our website. And we try to make our decisions as a church based on these values. Where we say we believe you can't do life alone. God never intends for you to do life alone. You need to be connected in community. Where we, see, we say we believe healthy things grow. That God wants you to grow. That's what God's desires for you. Babies that don't grow, we know what happens. We give up things we love for people we love more, meaning that we model this idea of love, self-sacrifice, and surrender for others. During this time at Forward, we, talk, we teach people how to pray, how to read the word of God, how to get connected with other people in faith, how to, how to connect your family, how to serve. You see, we have to develop the root system right now. It can't wait. It can't wait. Otherwise, we run the risk of looking like this person that Jesus is talking about in this parable. In fact, I'm going to quote Pastor Misty here. Misty Moore, our connections coordinator here, connections pastor now. And I, I said, send me something about rooted, or not rooted. We're, that's another class we're doing. It's pretty cool, too. Check it out. Forward. And she said, one main point we drive home in session one is that we cannot grow into the person God created us to be without knowing him and knowing his word. He accepts us right where he finds us, but he loves us too much to leave us there. We gotta get rooted right away. In fact, if you haven't been to Forward, come to Forward next week. I'd love to find a bigger room. I'm gonna invite you at 10.30 next week. If you're watching online, you can do it online or in person here at the NAS. So the question, when I feel out of control, we have to ask ourselves, where am I rooted to? What is my life rooted into? Because the answer to that question is vital towards this next story, this next snapshot that Jesus prepares for us. Where Jesus reveals something about himself that most of us aren't totally comfortable with. Unless you know Jesus and you know his heart, you trust his heart. It addresses the nature of life and what happens after we die. And some of us are asking that question, what happens after this life? Where do I go? You see, Jesus tells this parable about a farmer who plants his wheat. And while he's asleep, an enemy comes and he, and he plants all these seeds, these weeds in with the wheat. And as it starts to grow, the workers, they, they go to the farmer. And they say, what happened? Did we put bad seed down? Or 
what's caused this? And the farmer looks at him and says, no, the enemy has done this. And they said, well, should we go pull the weeds? And he said, no, 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 don't do that or you're gonna pull up the wheat with the weeds. He said, no, wait until the harvest. And when the harvest happens, we're gonna take all the weeds and we're gonna separate them, we're gonna bundle them up and we're gonna throw them in the fire to be burned and destroyed. But we're gonna take the good wheat stalks and we're gonna bind them up and we're gonna take them into the barn where they're protected and used for intended purpose. Naturally, after a parable like this, Jesus' disciples again asked him what this means. And I don't honestly, if I'm being real with you, I don't necessarily love Jesus' response. And that's okay. You know that? Because the truth is, God's word is bigger than my opinions. When I read God's word, I don't have to reinterpret it based off of my opinions. What he says to us is true and it's enough. And the beautiful thing about preaching through this passage is that we're not just gonna skip over this stuff. We need to talk about some of this hard stuff, all right? Because this is what it says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 37. He answered, this is after the disciples asked him what this means. The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. Do you know the devil is real, and the devil is against you, and you have an enemy? The harvest is the end of the age, life after death, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. And they will weed out out of his kingdom everything that causes sin in all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is pretty clear here what's happening. This is actually one of the first places in the book of Matthew that we find that Jesus is declaring his lordship over the end of life that he's gonna be the one that helps decide if you go to heaven with him for eternity or spend eternity in hell, separate from him. He shows us that heaven and hell are real places and that those who follow Jesus will be saved. You know that? When you follow Jesus, you'll be saved. You can trust him. We talk about Jesus all the time. Jesus provides salvation for us. It makes me think about a time when I was a kid and I had this really narrow view of God and this narrow view of grace and I would literally lay in bed every night repenting of every possible sin that I committed that day. I'd be like, all right, dear God, forgive me for punching my brother. God, forgive me for sticking my tongue out at my mom when she wasn't looking. God, forgive me for those mean thoughts. And it just went on and on and on because I was terrified that if I died in my sleep, I'd go to hell. But one of the things that we find in Scripture, and we believe this, okay, it is by grace we're saved through faith, not according to our works. We don't earn it. We trust him, we place our hope in Jesus, and we place our hope for the afterlife, what happens after this life in Jesus. 
You know, there's one other area that stood out to me here because I think it can kind of freak us out when we read this passage a little bit. And I started thinking about how Jesus is the one that's going to separate evil from us. And one of the things that we can realize that is that in this life, you will be surrounded by evil. You're going to be surrounded by people, by weeds that are trying to choke you out, trying to steal your life, trying to steal your joy. Man, if they could just overtake you, then they succeed. But in this, I find this encouragement, this incredible call to stand, to stand firm, to follow Jesus, to remain rooted in him. Because he says, in the end, I've got this. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to separate all of the struggles and those evil from your life, and you're going to be with me. I don't know if you're like me, but we got any control freaks up in the house? This morning, control freaks, yeah. If you're sitting next to a control freak, give them a nice elbow. They deserve it. Notice I say that while I'm standing by myself. (laughs) The truth is, as it relates to our life, a lot of evil and things happen to us, and we think that we need to take matters into our own hands to create our own justice. To try to right the wrongs, to try to rip out the weeds. And Jesus says, leave it. Trust me. I'll take care of it. You need to know that Jesus will fight for you. When you stand for him, he protects you. And that we play and live our lives with eternity in mind, not just right in the present. What happens after I die? I can choose in this life to follow Jesus or not. So I ask this question, where's my eternity rooted? Where is your eternity rooted? I've loved our church's vision for this year. It's a calling people to maybe go out and and share your faith, right? This is why we spread our faith, because we say, we don't want those people that are weeds to miss out on eternity with Jesus. Do you agree with that? How many of y'all know people that are weeds right now? Yeah. We don't want to miss out on that. And the vision is to go and to care. And some of us may, how can I make a difference in the world right now? What can I do? Where is God calling me? I want to encourage you to go to the nas.church slash vision, check it out. We actually have this cool interactive map where you can put where God is calling you, and you can actually take uh, your mouse and hover it over where other people God is calling them. It's some really cool stories. I want you to check it out. Because they're going to say, how can I make a difference? The world is crazy. What am I to do? In fact, this week I had someone that made a difference in my life. I was sitting at the window doing some work and I looked out and my knight in shining armor was coming down the sidewalk. My neighbor. Every year, I say, when winter's over, I'm going to buy a snowplow when it's cheaper. And every year I have the same old plastic shovel. But it didn't take much, did it? He rolled down my sidewalk, rolled back, made a couple passes, and and that lifted me up and that showed me God's love. One of the things that we say is all it takes is a cool cup of water. All it takes is someone rolling down the sidewalk with their snowblower 
that it doesn't take much for you to share this love of Christ. Because Jesus, Jesus shares two final parables with us. Parable of the mustard seed, parable of the yeast. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all seeds. Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all throughout the dough. I was looking back then at how people extracted yeast. I was like, this, this has to be an interesting process. Because right now, like, we get to the store and we get a jar of it. And I'm not like a bread maker or anything like that. I'm not a baker. But I know you can take a jar and pour some of this yeast or there's little packets of whatever. And I wanted to know how they did it. And what they would do is they would actually take old pieces of dough. And whenever they make something, they'd take a piece and they'd set it aside. And this dough would collect the yeast out of the air. Yuck. But incredibly effective because all it took was that little bit of dough and they, it would take a lot of dough and fill it with yeast so that the bread could rise. And what Jesus is telling us here is if you want to make a difference in the world, start small. Start right where you are. Start where God is calling you to make a difference. You don't need to be one of those people that starts a foundation all the time or gives millions of dollars away. But the truth is Jesus calls each and every one of us to start small. And you can trust that as you are faithful, it's gonna make a difference. So I ask this question, where is my effort rooted in? Who am I rooted to? Where is my eternity rooted in? Where is my effort rooted to? These are the secrets of God. When Jesus says, I'm gonna reveal something to you that people have been searching for for thousands of years. And these are the secrets of God that we can receive, that he looks at us today and he says, hey, root yourself to me. I'll be your anchor. In the storm, I'll be with you. When the world is swirling around and people feel like they're floating, we root ourselves to Jesus. When you wonder what life after this life looks like, we have an incredible amount of hope. Because what it means for us is that we look at Jesus and we say, Jesus, save me. Lead my life. In a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to respond to that. Or maybe you say, how can I make a difference in this crazy world? Start small. Follow the examples of Jesus. And the truth is, in all of this, we don't need to worry about zombies or solutions from aliens but we turn to Jesus. That's what matters. In fact, I've saved my final scripture, my favorite part, the most encouraging part, because you might say, David, you have been a drag, bro. But that's okay. Because I saved my final verse for the end, because there's this idea that as you are faithful, 
as you follow him, as you're rooted in him, as you remain in him, as you stay the course, as you keep fighting as weeds try to choke you out, We know who is in control and who holds our eternity in his hands. And this is what he says, as you do this, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Those of you that fight, those of you who pursue Jesus, you are made righteous because of him and your eternity and your future is secured. So don't allow the worries of this world to keep you from following Jesus. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and watching online, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and that stuff about heaven and hell freaked you out or you feel like you're floating and Jesus is the only answer. If that's you, and you want to follow Jesus, would you take a step of faith today and no one can see everyone's heads are bowed or you're watching online, go ahead and raise your hand where you're at. Say, I want to to begin a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I got you. I see you. Others, I want to follow Jesus. If you're online, raise your hand where you're at. Say, that's me. Yeah. Go ahead and put your hands down. Some of you might feel like you've been rooted in the wrong things of this world. Feel like you're floating and you're going to make a decision today to say I'm going to anchor myself in Jesus if that's you say I feel like I'm floating but I'm going to follow Jesus I'm going to anchor to him raise your hand if you would I got you all over I feel you I'm with you I'm raising my hand too got you let's pray Jesus we thank you for your word that transforms our lives God we thank you that you meet us where we are. God, that you speak simply to us in parables. And that God, you are calling us to take our step towards you. For my friends that are stepping out of darkness into new life, that are are stepping out of being lost to follow you, we say this simple prayer. And if that's you, say this prayer, say, Jesus, I need you. Save my life. Forgive me for doing evil, for being evil. Forgive me, God. I want to be with you in eternity. I want to live for you. For my friends right now, they feel like they're floating and I feel for them. God, we commit to you right now that we are going to anchor down into you. We're going to dig into your word. God, we're going to follow you. So that when the world around us tries to shake us, we can know that we are anchored into you, Jesus, the creator of the universe and the one who holds authority over heaven and all eternity. 
We trust you, Jesus. We boldly approach you and ask this in your name. And everyone said, amen. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing one more song before we go. It's a declaration that Jesus has never failed you, and he never will. Let's worship together. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.